We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Ducks are in a great spot with another priority defensive target in the 2024 class. We're talking a new recruiting prediction for Oregon, some surprises for the Ducks in 2023, and maybe a couple question marks on today's episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast, your premier podcast for all things Oregon recruiting and Oregon football. So glad to have you guys along for another episode. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation part of the Sports Illustrated Network. It is Wednesday, October 4th, 2023, and Oregon is in their bye week or work week, as Dan Lanning called it before we got to this point. You saw the the Ducks versus them cinematic recap. He said, everyone thinks that we're going to be entering a bye week, but we're going into a work week. So that dude has the Ducks absolutely locked in just like you should lock in with me on all social media platforms at mtaurus sports on both twitter and instagram and then we're coming to you on youtube at oregon football max taurus make sure to like the video and subscribe so starting off today's episode it might be a little soon i just logged a recruiting prediction for oregon to land college of san mateo corner sioni laulea He's committing on Sunday, October 8th, and he's announcing between Oregon, Miami, and USC. So make sure we we tune in for that one to see where Laulea ultimately lands. But I just logged another prediction for Oregon to land a top defensive target in the 2024 recruiting class. So I'm going to go ahead and break down that pick kind of peel back the curtain a little bit and explain to you guys, the listeners, the viewers, the audience, why I think Oregon is in a great spot to land one of their top guys in the 2024 class. We're talking about 2024 four-star Fairfield, California, Armeo defensive lineman, Jericho Johnson. He was just in Eugene for the Ducks game against Colorado. And 
I felt pretty good about this trip uh, going into it, right? Felt pretty good about where Oregon stood in this recruitment, in their pursuit of this Adidas All-American lineman. Um, and I got some quotes from Jericho that I'm going to go ahead and read, but I just want to talk a little bit before I get into those quotes just about why I think Oregon is in a great spot. We can talk a little bit about timeline. Johnson doesn't have a super firm timeline right now, but what we do know from my recent interview with him before that trip, I got a little visit preview with him over on Ducks Digest. You can go read that. That's where I'm going to be pulling these quotes from. But in that interview, he was telling me that he plans to make his commitment, you know, known on during the December early signing period, but he's going to be making that decision kind of in-house with his family in November. So he's going to kind of keep that one close to the vest, and then he's going to go public with his decision during the early signing period, which, as we know, can be a very eventful time. Just look back to last year of the 2023 recruiting class. You had guys like Mateo Uyunglele, who has absolutely been a star for Oregon so far this year as a true freshman. You saw him commit to Oregon over the likes of USC and Ohio State. You saw the Ducks flip Jaden Lamar, uh, a Washington running back away from the Notre Dame fighting Irish. And then you had the whole Peyton Bowen debacle. So that's kind of going away from the point, but that's usually a time for fireworks. So November decision in-house for Jericho Johnson is the latest that I was told from him and then going public with his decision in December. So you might look at that one and say, Max, there's still about two months between now and then. Why would you be putting this recruiting prediction in now? And it boils down to quite a few factors, but I think the first one that really gives me a lot of confidence is the relationships. The relationships that Jericho Johnson has built with this Oregon staff and the caliber of recruiters that you have on this Oregon staff. Tosh Lapoy is one of the best recruiters in the entire country, and he's one of the biggest recruiters, one of the best recruiters on this Oregon coaching staff. And he's from the Bay Area. He's from Walnut Creek. That's not exactly where Johnson is from, but Johnson is in that Bay Area uh, at a Fairfield. So I think that that would give Oregon a little bit of a leg up, not just because of where he's from, but when you factor in Tosh Lapoy being a great recruiter, I think that there's maybe just a little bit of extra pride when it comes to recruiting elite players, elite talent from your home area. We know that he's as well connected as anybody in the country is in the state of California. But if we're talking about Bay Area guys, I think that Tosh Lapoy has done a great job of prioritizing Jericho Johnson in this recruitment. And you also have to look at Tosh Lapoy isn't even the only Bay Area guy, the only Bay Area connection that the Ducks have on this coaching staff. You have wide receivers coach Junior Adams, who is also from the Bay Area, coming out of Fremont. And even though this is not his position, you'd be foolish to think that he's not involved or that other coaches that aren't on the defensive line staff are not involved. Um, Junior Adams has been a phenomenal recruiter since coming over to Oregon He's helped the Ducks land a five-star wide receiver, Jurion Dickey, who hasn't even really played yet since he arrived at Oregon in the midst of his true freshman season right now. 
hasn't played a whole lot, hasn't really carved out a big role, but that wide receiver room is stacked. So I don't think that's a concern by any means if you're an Oregon fan looking at his trajectory and, and where things are going. Um, you also have Gary Bryant Jr., the USC wide receiver transfer. Junior Adams tapping into that previous relationship when he was recruiting him to Washington when Bryant was coming out of Corona Centennial High School out here in kind of my neck of the woods in Southern California. So those are a couple of big time guys that Junior Adams has already helped land. You also have to mention Ashton Kozar out of the state of Texas. He's originally from Washington. And then you also have Kyler Casper, who was originally in the 2023 class, but reclassified to the 2022 recruiting class. So the case in point, Junior Adams has been a super strong recruiter. And I really think that Oregon is going to tap into their Bay Area connections. And those guys are Tosh Lapoy and and Junior Adams. So I think that's really big. Um, and then you look at the development factor, and I think that you have to have Tosh Lapoy and Dan Lanning, Tony, Tony Tuioti, guys like that. That all comes into the equation here when you're talking about what a lot of these top recruits are, are ultimately looking for and what Johnson told me he was looking for. When I was kind of asking him what was most important to me, he said, quote, I just really want to be developed not just on the field, but off the field, academically, physically, spiritually. I want to make sure that I'm getting poured into not just in the game of football, but my life as a whole, just whatever school is going to develop me the best to my full potential and send me off to the league. And I think that Oregon is in a great spot to be able to market that and pitch that. I think if you look at even the track record since Dan Lanning, obviously you have the guys uh, from Georgia that are killing it in the NFL, right? Uh, Jordan Davis, I think, is the uh, is the main guy that you're talking about uh, along the defensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles. I have that defense and fantasy, and they are pretty solid. Not the greatest showing last week, but Jordan Davis is really, really good, and Dan Lanning helped coach him, so you know that he's going to be talking about him. That's a development factor. And you also have Jordan Riley, who came over with Tony Tuioti from Nebraska, and had a really quiet one year at Oregon, didn't do a whole lot in terms of production, goes off and gets drafted by the Giants. I am having some crazy hair here on today's episode. Sorry about that. Hopefully that fixed it. Looks like we're doing all right. Um, but Jordan Riley is another guy that went to Oregon and is in the NFL. Then you have to mention DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Kayvon Thibodeau. Not that this coaching staff has worked with those guys, but there is – a good history of development along that position. And then you also have to mention Jordan Birch guys who are on the roster. Now you got Jordan Birch, who looks like he's really kind of growing into his own along the defensive line for Oregon. You have Popo Amavai, Taki Taimani looked great last week against Stanford. Keon Ware Hudson, Casey Rogers has been rock solid for Oregon along that defensive line. And then you have some of these young guys that are playing early. Mateo Uyunglele, who I mentioned, right? You also have, Blake Purchase, a true freshman. Tatum Tuioti, a true freshman. So I think that you take into account not only the development, the track record of success at that position, and you got to think about the other schools that Johnson's looking at, right? You got Oregon, you got Washington, you got USC, and you have Utah. And I think that USC has a couple of guys that they've sent, right? You got Drake Jackson playing for my 49ers. You got um, Leonard Williams who I think is on the Giants now, started his career on the other New York team, the Jets, but he's a really good uh, defensive lineman. But I still don't think that those guys 
those schools have the the caliber of defensive linemen that Oregon has produced, which I think would, again, make me lean towards Oregon. And to go back to the, the young guys playing, I'm not saying that that's a deal breaker, but it's almost like an icing on the cake type of a deal, right? Because you already have a lot of really good veterans that are contributing for you, helping this defense take a really big step from year one to year two under Dan Lanning. And, and you could look at this defense, you could break it down however you want to. This is a unit that is making strides all over the place when it comes to the defense. You talk about improved tackling. You talk about uh, giving you different looks, exotic blitzes. But, uh, Evan Williams, I keep calling him Bennett, but Evan Williams uh, and, and Kyrie Jackson, Nico Reed, like the way that those guys are being used. And then you also have to just talk about how this defense is already matched, has already matched its sack total from a year ago. We're looking at 18 sacks in five games alone. So the proof as of right now looks like it's in the pudding. Got to mention, they haven't gone against any prolific offenses just yet. You know, you still got to go against your Michael Penix in Washington. You got to go against Caleb Williams and USC. I'll be at that game, by the way. Uh, Super stoked for that one to be back and Eugene back at Autzen. But I think that this defense already looks so promising I think that by the time the decision comes around for Jericho Johnson, I'm pretty confident in saying that Oregon is going to have the best defense out of any of his final schools. Um, I don't think that the the current group, the current quality of the defense is, is a make or break, a deal breaker type of deal type of thing, but it certainly doesn't hurt. And I think that the trajectory that this Oregon defense is on is only trending up. And another thing Good players want to play with good players. And Oregon already has, I've said it a million times, right? Good players want to play with good players. It's one of those recruiting mantras that always, always comes back around. And Oregon already has a a couple of really quality guys along the defensive line. You got Jackson Jones out of Arizona. You got Tion Gray out of St. Louis, Missouri. You got Zadavian Sims, the number one player in Oklahoma. So I think that's another thing. I didn't even write about that over on my story Uh, The good players want to play with good players, but I think that factors into it. Washington hasn't been that great of a recruiting power, so I don't think that's a huge concern if you're just looking at what, you know, comparative classes there are out there. Um, Utah is still a a school that doesn't recruit super, super um, well, which is kind of sad considering how good they usually are. Uh, USC has a couple of good pieces in in the fold along the defensive line. You got uh, David uh, pale pale out of Pennsylvania. He's a defensive lineman, three-star guy in uh, USC's 2024 recruiting class. And then you got Cameron Fountain, a four-star edge rusher out of Atlanta, Georgia. So that's, those are kind of the big names along that defensive line hall in 2024 for Lincoln Riley and company. But I just think Oregon is recruiting at a different level than two out of those three schools. The only school that is near Oregon in terms of recruiting power is USC. And that's not a huge surprise. It's kind of been like that since Lincoln Riley got there. So I feel like I got a little bit distracted, but I think I'm getting my reasoning across. Um, I'll be honest, you guys, when I wrote this, I made this prediction not necessarily so based off of Intel so much as I think I'm basing it off of kind of a gut feel. I'm, I'm betting on Tosh Lapoy being able to get the job done. I'm putting my faith in him as a recruiter, uh, as a developer, 
You also have to look at him working with guys in the NFL at the NFL level, like Miles Garrett. I think those are all things that come into the equation here, come into the, the, the recruitment and kind of trying to predict these. And, you know, I'll admit it's not a perfect science, but I think I'm getting a little bit of a better feel for it now. Um, to talk a little bit more about visit itinerary, Johnson's already taken his official visit to Washington. I think he took that back in the summer. So you still have official visits to USC, Utah, and Oregon to come. But when I was, um, you know, when I, the, some of the conversations that I've had um, with people that are close to this recruitment, the plan right now is for Oregon to get that final official visit. And we know that these high school recruits are impressionable and that final visit can sometimes be what pushes you over the edge. And I, I wrote about it. It's not set in stone right now that Oregon is going to get the final official visit, but I think that it's more than realistic that it does happen. Um, I, I think maybe you host him for that USC game in November. I think that could be a great date, but I think that that is another reason if they are in fact able to get that final official visit, I think that would be huge. And you look at where Oregon's defense is at right now. I think they're in an awesome spot. I think you see the proof is in the pudding. You see the guys that are coming into their own on that defense. You see the young guys playing early. And then let's also talk about you guys. Oregon signed 10 defensive linemen in 2023. 10. One zero, double digit guys. That's along the edge and along the defensive line. 10 guys. Dan Landing did that because he knew this is a veteran heavy group along the defensive line. Popo Amavai, Brandon Dorless, Casey Rogers, all will be gone in, in 2024. And you got to reload. You can't sit around and try to rebuild a certain position. You got to have the talent there. And I think Oregon does. You're seeing guys that are already producing. Blake Purchase, Mateo, and Tatum, right? But we haven't even talked about guys like Mikel Gardner, Amari Washington, Terrence Green, Ashton Porter, Jaden Moore. All of those guys are pretty talented recruits that the Ducks signed in 2023, and they haven't really even seen the field that much. So those guys are all learning along, um, along with these veterans and seeing them produce at a high level. Maybe Jordan Birch comes back next year, but I don't think you can bank on that right now. So I think that this is a major priority guy for Dan Lanning and the rest of this Oregon staff, Jericho Johnson. I think he becomes an absolute need, an absolute must-get kind of guy. And we also can talk about it. It's a cliche deal, but it's worth mentioning. When you get six foot four, 300, 300-plus pound defensive linemen on the West Coast, you go after them, and you go after them hard, which transitions me oh so nicely into another point that's worth mentioning Five-star, modern-day defensive lineman, Aiden Breland. you got to mention him. He recently announced that he's going to be making his college commitment on Saturday, October 14th, the same day that Oregon plays Washington. Maybe we have a game day setting for uh, for that one in Seattle on Montlake at Husky Stadium. He's going to be choosing from a final three of Oregon, Georgia, and Miami. I don't really think Miami's viewed as much of a contender in this one, even though Mario Cristobal did give him his first offer when he was back at Oregon. This looks like a Georgia versus Oregon battle. And I think that in order to get a commitment from Aiden Breland, I think it's looking like you want, you need to get him back on campus. They don't have another home game to potentially host him for. I guess they could try to this weekend during the bye week, but I'm really not sure how likely that is or how common it is. 
um, for Oregon to do in the past because you want to show off that game day atmosphere, right, and show the on-field product. So it doesn't look right now like Aiden Breland's going to be getting back on campus, which kind of points to all the visuals, all the signs, kind of projecting him to Georgia. Um, I don't think that that's a, a major stretch to say by any means. They're back-to-back national champions, put a bunch of defensive linemen in the league, and he said so himself. That's a big deal for him. Um, he's got his teammate, Nate Frazier, a running back out of modern day. He's already going to Georgia. And, I mean, if you're talking about good players, want to play with good players, that's the cream of the crop. They have the number one recruiting class in the country for a reason. So I think you can obviously very easily make the case for Aiden Breland to Georgia. So if he does, in fact, end up going to Georgia, I think that makes Jericho Johnson that much more important for Oregon here in the 2024 recruiting class. And it's funny, I saw, um, I think it was a Washington fan in my mentions. It always happens somehow, right? Is there a Washington fan or a USC fan getting in my mentions saying, uh, did your prediction Did your prediction take into account the, the upcoming Washington trip? And I'll be honest, I didn't know he was going to visit Washington, but I can answer the comment to you guys. Sure, yeah, we'll go ahead and say that it does. That's just, like I said, I'm betting on Oregon being able to get this one done. I think that they can put together the most attractive pitch for him when you're looking at the relationships, when you're looking at the the progression of the defense, the development factor, the track record of success. I just think there's too many factors in Oregon's favor here, specifically with Jericho Johnson, to not see him ending up at Oregon. I'm not saying this is a perfect science. I'm not saying this is a done deal. I said it at the top of this. There's still two months to go pretty much in this recruitment, so a lot could happen between now and then but I really do think that Oregon staff has the ability to, to get this one done and ultimately be the, the team that wins out. So I think that would be a huge addition considering some of the misses that they've had in this class, some of the guys that they haven't landed. Um, I think Elijah rushing is, is still probably a name to watch, even though he's committed to Arizona right now, I think Oregon has stayed involved there. So um, nothing new to report there, but I think that's obviously a guy you try to keep chipping away at as long as he's still open to communication. Oregon currently has the number 13 class, I want to say. It's either 12 or 13 um, class in the country, according to 247 Sports, number 12 in the country. So I think if you can add a guy like a Jericho Johnson, if you can add a guy like a Sione Laolea, I think that's really huge. Jason Brown Jr. is another top recruit that is getting predicted to Oregon now after he visited for the Colorado game. I predicted him to Oregon back in August, and I still feel great about that pick, but he hasn't set any commitment dates just yet. So that's kind of what I have on Jericho Johnson. And and now going to switch gears a little bit to talk about Oregon football in the 2023 season in the midst of the bye week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit 
to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I think that there have been a couple of really cool surprises on this team. Some guys are doing some things that we maybe didn't expect. Guys are having bigger roles than we anticipated, and and I want to get into some of that. I think that one of the biggest and probably best surprises on this Oregon team so far this year, can we talk about Bryce Betcher? Oh, my God, that dude's a baller. Andy, where's my favorite number, number 28? I mean, say less. Six foot two, 220 pounds, and he's from Eugene. I don't think you could write a better story. A dual sport athlete, also a stud for for uh, Mark Wozikowski and the Oregon Ducks baseball team. Kind of uh, kind of spent most of the spring football with the Ducks at safety, and now he is sliding into that linebacker role, and he is doing an awesome job. I think what makes him such a great player is the 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 drive that he plays with his, his motor. Um, the speed that he has, I think that's obviously something that is going to be incredibly value for valuable for any linebacker uh, in this Dan Landing Tosh Lapoy defense. I think that's exactly what they wanted. They want guys that can can change direction really quickly and and that can cover. And I think that that he's a guy who certainly checks that box. And then if we're talking about Bryce Betcher, we have to talk about the Oregon linebackers because oh my God, they are killing it. Um, that was honestly one of my biggest question marks. I think going into the year, we just didn't know what this room was going to look like when you lose the amount of guys that they lost at that room, at that spot. Noah Sewell goes off to the NFL. Now he's playing for the Chicago bears and Keith Brown transfers to Louisville. Jackson Leduke transfers to Nevada. Harrison Tagger transfers back home to the state of Utah to play for Kalani Sataki and the BYU Cougars. So there was so much movement at that room. I don't think in that room, I don't think you can help, but think that that is going to be a question mark going into the season, but look at them. Now this linebacker room is great. And I have a bunch of confidence in this room. Jamal Hill comes down from the secondary and he's absolutely shining. Um, I think he has carved out a, a very significant role uh, alongside Jeffrey Bossa. I think that they're definitely a, a good combo. I think Tosh Lapoy had the quote 
in fall camp saying that he, if he had a time machine, he would have gone back in time and, and made the move earlier. So they're doing a phenomenal job. And then you have Devin Jackson and um, Devin Jackson and Bryce Betcher also playing a lot of football here. So, so they're playing a really, really high level of football. And mind you, we haven't even seen Justin Jacobs yet. Justin Jacobs was one of the one of the biggest names that Oregon brought in in the transfer portal over from Iowa. You know, say what you will about the Iowa program, but that's a school that is known for having pretty good defenses and really good linebackers. Justin Jacobs, Jack Campbell, and now Justin Jacobs comes over and Oregon has the luxury of not needing to rush him back. I think a lot of people were looking to see if he would make his debut against Stanford, but he ultimately didn't see the field. Now, do you want to break him in against the top 10 opponent in the Washington Huskies, the number one passing offense in the country? I don't know. But does it hurt to have him available in that matchup? Definitely not. Now, it's worth mentioning we don't know if that's actually going to be the case. We're not going to speak to, we're not going to hear from Dan Lanning until Wednesday evening. So we'll see what, uh, what updates maybe come out of that. But I think that he has definitely been one of the biggest surprises, Bryce Betcher. And then I got to give a huge shout out to the, the linebacker room. Another guy that's worth mentioning on this little segment of the biggest surprises, I think has to be Kyrie Jackson. Not because we didn't think he would be capable of playing at this level, but I think he's really slid right in. He comes over from Alabama. And I think even after the spring game, we didn't really know how good of a player he was, but now we have a sample size. We have five games of film to watch, and he is one of the best cornerbacks on this team. I'll admit, after that Texas Tech game, when he had that PI, I was like, oh, man, he's making that decision as a, a veteran guy. That that can't be a good sign. But he is really kind of morphing into, I don't want to say a lockdown corner, but a damn good corner. I think that's certainly worth mentioning. He got a little banged up against Stanford, so we'll see if he's going to be good to go for that Washington game. But I think that that's been a big surprise is, is his play and, and just the play of the corners, I think. Jaleel Florence has stepped up and really made a name for himself as one of the top options on this team. And then behind those guys, you also have more depth. And that's a that's a statement you can make for almost any position except maybe tight end on this team that you have pretty solid depth quarterback. I don't really know still what they have in Ty Thompson. I just don't think we've seen enough for me to be sold. Um, but at corner, when when Kyrie Jackson got hurt, you brought in Nico Reed to, to play some good ball for you. He transferred over from Colorado, and Demetrius Martin knows how he ticks. And then you have Dante Manning and Triquez Bridges, who have both proven to be starting caliber corners for you. That That's your second line now. So you've upgraded at the cornerback spot in a big way, I think. So that's a, a big surprise. And and Evan Williams looks like a beast. We can kind of throw this the safety group in there a little bit, I think. I think that the the secondary has has really kind of exceeded my expectations, at least early. And again, I feel like I want to just kind of take this all with a grain of salt because they haven't gotten into the thick of their schedule yet. I think that's something that we obviously have to mention. They haven't played the best teams are going to face and it's a huge gauntlet of a schedule right washington uh washington state cal i don't I'm not too worried about cal utah you have to go to salt lake city usc comes up to you and eugene and then you got oregon state uh, to end the year so 
I think that this stretch is obviously going to tell us a lot about this team, but the secondary is looking good, man. Um, Evan Williams looks really solid coming over from Fresno State. Tysheem Johnson's giving you some some quality production and, and minutes. And then you have Brian Addison, who looks like he's really comfortable. And and then when he wasn't able to go against Stanford, you have Steve Stevens the fourth, who's been at Oregon forever. But hey, he's on the roster. He's you know he stuck around for a reason, and and he. He uh, played some good football for you against Stanford as well. So I think those are some of the biggest surprises for me kind of at this pseudo halfway mark in the bye week. And we got a couple of question marks. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Let's see. One more surprise. One more surprise. Let me back it up. Let me back it up. I just looked at my show notes. But I think one surprise that caught some people off guard is Tez Johnson seems like he has overtaken. It doesn't even seem like he has. It doesn't even seem like he has. Tez Johnson has passed Chris Hudson on the wide receiver depth chart for slot receiver. Um, I don't think that that's a huge surprise. You bring in a guy like Tez for a reason. I think he comes to Oregon kind of with the expectation that he's going to play a big role, and he's done that. He had the chemistry with Bo. He clearly has a different gear than any wide receiver in that room, not named Tez Johnson. And he's produced. So I think that, you know, a lot of people want to see Chris Hudson. I I'd love to see him play some more, but I think it's just a reality that the transfer portal has resulted in some, some roster overhaul, some, some, this is kind of like some churn, but it's not like Hudson's leaving. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to spin that off. Um, So don't go putting that in my mouth, but he has passed Chris Hudson. So I think it's a little bit of a surprise when you look at the production that Chris Hudson has had at Oregon, not exactly a touchdown machine, but I think Tez Johnson has a different gear. So again, that's a guy that you feel comfortable turning to if you need, if anyone needs a break, uh, Chris Hudson, but then you also have Gary Bryant jr. He's playing a big role. That wasn't a big surprise for me either. I was talking to some people around the program in Eugene and they were telling me that Gary Bryant jr. Is a dude. And he's going to be a beast. And so far he has been for Oregon. He's he's kind of having a bigger role week by week. So let's get into some question marks now. I think one of them that we have to mention is Noah Whittington's health. I, I mean, I never want to speculate too much around injuries, but just as it stands right now, before we hear from Dan Lanning on Wednesday evening, we don't know the severity of that injury. Um, and I think that he is obviously a very crucial part of this offense. And Oregon has a super deep running back room, but you want to have a guy like that around and available whenever you can. Noah Whittington uh, is one of the fastest, if not the fastest back in that room. He really transformed his body over the offseason, added a bunch of muscle, and um, he's moving great. He looked like he was moving great, right, until he got hurt against Colorado. So he wasn't available against Stanford. And I think if you're an Oregon fan, you want to hope that he can use this bye week to rest up and, and hopefully be available by the time you got to travel to Seattle in a couple of weeks. But I'm not sure what the what the reality of that injury is right now. So I feel like until we know, and Dan Lanning always isn't um, is like any other coach. Dan Lanning doesn't like to talk about injuries. So until we know for sure, I feel like that's a question mark for me. But what's not a question mark is Oregon's running back room. Jordan James looked great stepping up for Noah Whittington. Dante Dowdell, Jaden Lamar, they both looked good as true freshmen. Important to mention that they have both played four games. So the next time one of them takes a snap, that's going to be, um, you know, effectively burning a redshirt, right? Or at least you can't redshirt in 2023 because you'll have played at least five games. So want to mention Noah Whittington. 
it's so funny. I just got finished talking about the corners um, and the, the safeties. I feel like it was a surprise, but it was also a little bit of a question mark uh, at, at times for me going into the season and, and early on in the season. So I think, I don't know if I'm ready to say it yet. I'm not ready to say that Oregon's cornerback room or their safety room or the secondary isn't a question mark for me. Have they played well through five games? Absolutely. But you really haven't been tested a whole heck of a lot. Texas Tech had some good receivers, and they had a big day. That that passing offense, I think, had a big day. They were able to come away with a win, but I think Texas Tech did a good job passing the ball. So, you know, that's kind of a, a little bit of a ding in the armor, if you will. You did a really good job against Hawaii, but they don't have the skill talent that a lot of the Pac-12 teams do. You did a good job against Colorado with with guys like, um, you know, with, with uh, Horn and, um, shoot, I'm forgetting the other guy's name, but they have two receivers, the, the South Florida transfers that did a really good job. Um, and I think you did a good job limiting those guys. So that that's, you know, in Oregon's favor. But what do you look like against the Washington receivers, Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk? What do you look like against the USC wide receiver core, Mario Williams, Bre- uh, Brendan Rice, um, Zachariah Branch, guys like that. We, we still don't know. I think that's a big question mark. So until you face the best that the Pac-12 has to offer, you, d- you didn't get that test in the non-con. So and now we still have that as a question mark. How does this, what's the true ceiling of the cornerback group? What's the true ceiling of the safety group? I think those are two question marks that, that are certainly legitimate in my mind because they haven't played the toughest that they're going to face this year. Um, so I think that that's definitely uh, something that kind of rises to, to my mind. But the, the games that they have played, they've looked pretty good. And I think that this group already looks improved from a year ago. So I'm, I'm fairly confident in, in saying that. All right. So that'll do it for us on another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Important to lock in with me on all social media platforms. My username right there on your screen, at mtaurussports. Subscribe to the to the to the YouTube channel at Oregon Football Max Taurus and share the show, share the Ducks Dish podcast with your friends, family, and other Duck fans. I love it when you like it. Always appreciate the support. Make sure you read all my stuff over on ducksdigest.com. And um, yeah, appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to talk some ball with me, talk some duck recruiting, talk some duck football. And we'll see you guys in the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.